Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. I'm Mark. Episode 7. Welcome to episode 7. Happy Friday. Uh, just as I said, I thought I'd uh, release two episodes this week. Um, try to keep on a Friday schedule, but you know, life happens. Um, how'd you guys uh, like the uh, last episode of Petro? Talking a little bit about the extra 200. I know we uh, we kind of got off tangents and rambled a little bit, uh, but you know, that's how we do. At least that's how I do. Maybe it's a little ADHD, but uh, hard to hard to kind of stay on topic sometimes. Uh, but it's just so much. There's just so much fun thing. Uh, so many fun things to talk about, and um, you know, there's so many. You know, there's, there's so many kind of side conversations you want to have when you when you talk about an airplane like the extra 200. Uh, you know, we're always comparing, right? You know, pilots are, are we're, we're terrible at that. You know, we, we compare each other, we compare airplanes, we compare everything. So it's 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 really easy to kind of lose. Uh, or kind of sidetrack and, and take a turn and talk about something that may not be uh, uh, quite relevant to uh, what is going on, but I'm at a lot of fun talking to, uh, talking to Jeff about the uh, extra 200, and we'll get him back on to talk about the uh, kind of the uh, the flagship extra, the extra 330 SE, because I, I haven't flown that um, that extra yet. I'm, I hope to someday, uh, but I really want to pick his brain because he he. Um, he has he has a really good aerobatic IQ when it comes to, uh, to to aircraft, like you know what makes an airplane do what and why, um, and how it behaves uh, in a given maneuver and why. That stuff's super interesting to me because I I have a very very superficial knowledge of, of I mean not just aerodynamics but just why an airplane does what it does. I mean obviously control inputs we 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 input. XYZ control and we get XYZ output right uh, for a given maneuver but um, why the airplane behaves the way it does why why snaps are pitchier or why it over rotates or why it doesn't center things like that oh that's always been super interesting to me because one uh, you know it may not make you fly better but it probably will um, but if it doesn't make you fly better for whatever knowledge or factoid you're 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 discussing. I mean, it's just it's super interesting to have that level of knowledge because, you know, as pilots, we we learn, you know, certificates and ratings are always based on the bare minimum, right? Uh, they always say the, pi- the private pilot license is a license to learn. I mean, every license is pretty much like that. Every type rating I've ever got, I've got I think I've got five or six jet type ratings. Um, every one has been a fire hose of knowledge and a check ride where you're barely coherent for and then after that it's like okay enjoy see ya go fly around the country around the world whatever um at forty-three thousand feet and uh you know have fun and then for about a year you learn the airplane to a point where you feel pretty safe and competent and confident and then you continue to learn i mean you know speaking of the airbus not to get on airbus stuff on fly cool shit because airbus is not the airbus is not fit the criteria for fly cool shit um, but that airplane is so complex in its logic and its um, architecture that you never stop learning that airplane. So w- when it comes back to when when it comes to aerobatics, that taking the the knowledge beyond what control input you're doing and why um, to, to get the results of the maneuver, but what control input you're doing and why in terms of aerodynamics and in terms of aircraft behavior and, and the why, uh, what is the design characteristic of the, of the aileron, you know, or, uh, how does this airplane bleed energy like other airplanes or, or doesn't, how does it carry energy? 
Um, what is it good at? What is it bad at? That that's that kind of stuff. That's kind of why I started this podcast. And I think on every episode, I've said why I've started this podcast. And there's probably a lot of reasons now that <laughs> every every reason I've given has been different, which is true. But um, I just that's one of the reasons why I love I love talking technical talk. I love learning. Um, my my level of knowledge in aerobatics is is um, pales in comparison to so many other people. So really diving down to some technical details on airplanes on aircraft behavior from a pilot standpoint not necessarily you know i'd love to have uh, some aircraft designers and manufacturers on um stay tuned for that by the way uh, we're gonna have somebody really cool on that uh, has invented a, a pretty iconic airplane and and family of airplanes um so getting to talk to people like that you know why is this air- why does this airplane behave like this so that'll be really fun um and and that's that's Really, that's a really cool part about talking about you know just about aircraft in general, um, but spe- specifically aerobatic aircraft because that's that's really that's really kind of what we're doing here, right? Um, thank you guys for all the feedback, by the way. Uh, I've been getting a lot of messages, a lot of emails, texts, um, just Facebook comments. I keep them coming. I really appreciate it, and and try to keep this podcast going and growing and have cool guests on and and. You know, every once in a while, um, you know, I'll ramble like this, like an idiot. But I actually have some stuff to talk about today. I think we'll see how long this goes. But um, I got, I got a, a kind of a. I won't mention names, but uh, shout out to to the person. He'll know when he hears this. Um, some great feedback on on the late the last episode and the podcast in general. Um, but he added, uh, he asked me to do a couple things that I think I want to address. Um, he asked me to talk more about my background and how I got started in aerobatics. So um, I'm definitely going to do that. Um, in, in kind of more detail. I, I talked very, very briefly about that, I think, on the first episode, but um, I'll talk about how I got my start in aerobatics and kind of where I am in aerobatics and what I do right now um, and what I do professionally, right? Because I think that's kind of important. Part of uh, flying aerobatics for a lot of people is balancing it with their uh, their home life or their work life, family, kids, wife, husband. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's that's one of those things that's not talked a whole lot about is <laughs> how do you balance this stuff? How do you balance this crap? It's and it can be really hard. Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff and I touched on that. You know, it's 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 hard with a family, wife and kids. It's really hard. So how uh, how I balance it? I'm gonna try to share that, and that is really why um, I'll circle back. But why I teach. Um, why teach aerobatics and upset recovery in, in my extra? That's basically why. It allows me to kind of, uh, I love teaching, first of all, but it allows me to kind of do what I like doing and, and justify the means more than um, just simply flying recreational, um, which I do need to, that's that's a balance in and of itself as well. But um, anyway, uh, let's see here. I guess I'll, well, let, me, uh, let me get into kind of how I got here, which is such a weird thing to talk about on this, on the seventh episode, but... You know, hopefully this uh, inspires people that are listening that, you know, are, are on the fence, um, figuratively and literally, uh, about flying in general or flying aerobatics. Um, because we all we all got a bug at some point, you know, whether you were, uh, you know, kind of born in a cockpit uh, with uh, like guys like uh, extremely talented people like Sammy Mason that, that come from families that fly. I mean, that guy, I think he was born in an S1, I'm pretty sure. You know, he, he can fly the shit out of an S1. He can fly the shit out of anything. But, um, you know, he didn't he, he didn't get bit by the bug. He was born with the bug. 
Um, I was definitely born with the flying bug. Um, my mom and dad back, uh, boy, I mean, they, they talk about when I was in a stroller. I mean, I would just try to, you know, reach and grab airplanes. I've always loved airplanes. And, uh, you know, I started going to air shows when I was a kid. My, uh, nobody in my family flies, uh, at least that I know of. Uh, no, none of the family I know of um, is, uh, are, are pilots. But I've always just, that is exactly what I wanted to do. I knew exactly what I wanted to do at, at you know, three, four, five years old. And uh, there was just no, nothing else. Nothing else I wanted to do. I was obsessed with it. Still am. Um, so as I started getting older, um, I started, you know, I got my first flying lesson, I think, when I was 13. And I, if, I, if I remember, I'll, maybe I'll, in the show notes, I'll, I'll attach a picture. I have a picture um, my dad took of me in my, flir- my first lesson at a Concord Airport here at Navajo Aviation. If anybody's listening from the Bay Area that's an old-timey pilot, I bet you guys remember Navajo Aviation in Concord. Pretty cool spot. But it was in like a Cherokee 140 or something like that. And it's just, you know, just an intro flight, whatever. Um... And, I, you know, I do those off and on, but, I, you know, just love flying uh, to the point where I would, I would go to Navajo Aviation. Um, my dad would drop me off and uh, I would just go sit in the airplanes and just make airplane noises. And then, you know, I'd, I'd listen to ATIS, <laughs> just sit in the airplane and turn the speaker on and listen to ATIS. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until, gosh, it wasn't until probably... 17, 16, 15, 16, 17, something like that, where, um, you know, my family kind of obviously saw that this was going to be something that, that they needed to kind of foster, um, or at least, um, you know, enable, right? And so I got, my dad got me a, 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 an intro lesson at a school called Attitude Aviation in Livermore, California. And uh, back then they had a Satabria, a 172, a Grumman Yankee, and that was it. And they were in a little hangar in uh, in Livermore, at Livermore Municipal Airport. And after that lesson, I mean, I, I loved. I it was in a 172, so it was just, it wasn't like in a, in the Satabria. It wasn't like a you know a crazy flight. Attitude Aviation. That that name will become um, more apparent and interesting later on in the conversation. But uh, back then, they were a real small school, just getting their start. And so I took that lesson and then uh, I think at the end I was just like, you know, do you guys need like somebody to wash airplanes? And they're like, yeah, we do. And so uh, we agreed uh, I'd get 10 bucks an hour towards washing airplanes. And I was like, great. And that was like my full-time job. Um, boy, I, I think I did that for like almost two years. All, uh, year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Year and a half. About a, It was about a year before I left to the Navy and I was 19. So, um, something around there. And they had grown and grown and grown and grown and grown um, so quickly. I mean, with, by even, so a few months had passed between me doing that lesson and then um, working there. They had gotten a couple more Satabrias, they got two pits. Uh, I mean, they just exploded. Maybe they had the pits on it. That school was purchased I can't remember the name of it before it was Attitude, but um, maybe they kind of rolled the, the airplanes uh, together after I had done my lesson. But they got they had a ton of airplanes, and, and 
Um, by the time I was flying regularly there, they had three or four Satabrias, two pits, an extra 200, which is the first extra 200 I've, I've flown there. It was there. Um, gosh, they had a Waco, Great Lakes. Um, trying to think what else. Two Grobe 115s. That was super cool. I got I had a bunch of time in the Grobe 115. What a fun aerobatic airplane that was. Nobody talks about the Grobe Bavarian 115. That was a fun airplane. Uh, if anybody has time in that, Shoot me a shoot shoot me a message. <laughs> we can chat about the uh, the Grove Bavarian 115. What a fun aerobatic airplane! I remember the coolest thing about that airplane uh, that I thought because I was a stupid kid, still am, but you know, even worse was that it had carbon fiber pedals. It had composite rudder pedals, and I just thought that was I'm like, whoa, this is like a race car. It's so cool. But that was kind of an unusual airplane. And that, that school, Attitude Aviation, um, shout out to Rich Perkins. He really gave me my start in a lot of ways. And I'll mention him a lot in this podcast, probably. Um, he, uh, you know, really prided himself on that school and um, had a lot of real interesting, weird airplanes. Uh, eventually had an L-39 uh, that you get rides in or uh, lessons in. Um, boy, I'm, I'm missing some. Anybody that's listening to this podcast that, that knows Attitude is probably screaming right now. You're missing this airplane. But it had, I mean, we just had everything there. And so that was really fun. I, you know, washed airplanes and swept floors and um, did a, I actually eventually soloed and then um, left for the Navy. And then um, I took lessons there continually. Um, I'd come up on the weekends. I was stationed in Lemoore, which is by Fresno. And uh, I'd come up on the weekends, do a couple of lessons and, and go back. And I did that for, for a long time until I got my, my, my private license. And then, um, like I said, went into the Navy. Uh, I really, really liked the idea of becoming a, uh, a naval aviator. I, I love the Navy. Obviously, love Top Gun. Um, I, I was really young when Top Gun came out, but I still feel uh, like anybody who's, you know, 40 and below, even, or even like, you know, I guess I should say it. I guess you should say it another way, maybe 30 and above, 25 and above, 30 and above, uh, unless you're a real hardcore geek, but like 30 and above, everybody probably loves Top Gun uh, in some way, shape or form, maybe 35 and above, but like that really hit, hit, you know, even though I was young, hit my generation um, real hard. Uh, that, I mean, just couldn't believe the idea of, of going into the Navy and then being a, being a pilot. So I really, um, that was kind of the goal. I, I um, I've been going to to Fleet Week in San Francisco and watching the Blue Angels for ever, every year. I mean, that was that we never missed it, and I've been going there since I was a little kid. So, the Blue Angels have always been a huge, huge inspiration for me, and love the Blue Angels, love Navy, uh, naval aviation, love the F eighteen Hornet. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna go work on F 18s in the Navy, and if I like it, I'll do uh you know i'll go get my degree while i'm in and then come back and fly uh fly fighters or at least try and uh so i went in as an uh, f-18 jet engine mechanic or at least i went in as a jet engine mechanic and then was able to pick f-18s um luckily i graduated top of my class i was able to pick where i wanted to go and it was so funny i i I turned down two p3 orders in, in italy i turned down guam hawaii and I turned down somewhere else um, that had kind of a cool spot, but I, I really wanted fighters. And <laughs> so I picked Lamore. I was the top person and I picked Lamore and everybody was like, what the hell, you're picking that shithole? Cause it's a total dump in, in central California. Sorry guys, for anybody that lives out there. Shout out to the 559, 
but you know, you know it is. Come on. Um, so I picked that and I went to school in Pensacola uh, to learn how to wrench on jet engines and then uh, uh, came out to Lemoore and uh, was stationed there uh, my entire um, my entire five-year career in the Navy. Uh, my first duty assignment was shore duty. So I was with a, what they call a RAG, Replacement Air Group Squadron, VFA-125, the Rough Raiders, and they basically taught... Um, Top pilots in the F-18. So you got your your you got your F-18 and your carrier quals uh, and your combat quals at that squadron. So it wasn't a combat squadron. It wasn't a combat readiness squadron or anything like that. It was just it was a training squadron and it was a joint squadron with uh, Navy and Marine Corps. It was a lot of fun, and that was my shore duty. And I would just drive home on the weekends and and um, do lessons and hang out with friends and stuff like that. Uh, I never really had aspirations to travel in the Navy, which is so funny in hindsight, because now I'd, I'd give anything to go travel the world again. But um, second squadron was VFA 147, the Argonauts, Mighty Argos. And that was my combat squadron and uh, did uh, eight months in the Persian Gulf in 2005. Yeah, 2005. And it was a, it was a long deployment on the, uh, on the Vinson, Carl Vinson. So um, didn't get much flying in. There, I, I I think I got my license before I went into that squadron though. But I think I got my private, and then you know just kind of um, it was just totally recreational. Obviously, still loved flying. Uh, when I got back off a of deployment uh, from the Persian Gulf, um, started thinking about getting out of the Navy. I, I love the Navy. I, I don't regret a single decision to go into the military and serve my country. I I, I cherish it. I'm proud of it. Uh, I don't hide it at all. I love it. I loved it. Um, there was a lot of things I didn't like. I would recommend that everybody do it for four years, but um, kind of realized that you know a career in the Navy was not for me. It was not going to be something that I wanted to do as a career. So um, got out and then really thought about what I wanted to do, and it was really funny because like nothing really. Cl- clicked about being a professional pilot I just never I just wanted to fly I just loved flying and I didn't really have anybody to sit me down and say hey you know there's this career track you can go be an airline pilot or corporate pilot or you know nobody even told me I could be a military pilot I just kind of saw a movie right and so that was kind of my inspiration so I didn't have anybody I didn't have a mentor or anybody to kind of guide me in that path um and so it just kind of honestly just kind of (laughs) kind of fell into my lap a little bit I just kind of started doing ratings more and more I got my instrument Got my commercial, commercial multi, and then um, you know somewhere along the way uh, in my it was probably my instrument training. I might have been I got a tailwheel endorsement um, some point during my instrument training. I was like you know I, and I was always one of those people again off on tangents right. I should be focusing on my career path, certificates and ratings, and here I am like I want to get a tailwheel endorsement at Satabria. And when I did that, my instructor, um, shout out to John Saucedo. He He's the first one that gave me my first lesson in a Satabria ever, my first tailwheel airplane. And then um, later on, I finished up with uh, Edward Dorr. Shout out to Edward. Great guy. Both great guys um, and huge, huge mentors uh, in my flying career. Uh, got my endorsement. And then I think we did some light aerobatics. And or he like showed me a roll or showed me a loop or something. And I was just like, holy shit. No way can I, I didn't even, I thought that was for the air shows and the military. I literally, I I couldn't believe that I could go do that. I had no idea. 
I thought I was doing something illegal. You know, I was like, there's no way, there's no way I could just go do this. And so that totally derailed uh, my career path um, was aerobatics. And then I became obsessed with it. I mean, legitimately obsessed. I would think about it nonstop. And I still think about it nonstop, you know. Um, I'll be driving along and I'll just be like, oh man, I just love the feeling of pulling G's and like that, that feeling of coming over the top of a loop or something and you, you go, you transition your head from side to, you know, looking to the side to looking up and forward uh, and you're just like on top of the world, man. Uh, there's just nothing better. And so I, I got, re- I think I paused my my instrument training for like a year and uh, just focused on just recreational. I mean, like so I flew with Satabria for a year doing aerobatics, just recreational, no co- no competitions. Um, I, I I remember Edward saying like, oh, you know, like you should, you should do primary or sportsman. And, uh, we worked towards it and then, you know, like something would happen in life. I, I can't remember, you know, uh, but something to kind of always come up, which is, uh, definitely an excuse. And, um, you know, I, sh- I could have definitely worked harder to do a competition, still could, but, uh, life gets in the way and, um, I, I blame, you know, blame it on trivial excuses, but, yeah, I um, didn't do much aerobatic-wise other than just, man, I would just fly Satabra all the time um, and, and just do kind of recreational aerobatics. And then I, I had a talk with another buddy who was kind of like, man, you need to buckle down and, and get your finish up here if you want to, you know. This is the time. So I'm trying to think of the timing here. I got out of the Navy in 06. And so this is probably just about 2008 when I'm doing all this. And I'm not even recognizing the airline industry taking a huge dump in 2008. Um, but, you know, I'm still getting my, uh, you know, or they were like, yeah, you know, you want to ride this wave. When it comes back, you want to ride this wave. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Whatever you're saying. I don't know, whatever. I, I really didn't even pay attention to, to what the industry was doing. And I had no idea um, until after I became a professional pilot and got hired on at a job that, People were like, oh, yeah, man, I got furloughed and this and that. I'm like, really? That's crazy. I didn't know all that. They're like, what? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, um, you know, had had another buddy, Mark Little. Shout out to Mark Little. Another huge uh, inspiration and mentor. Uh, did a lot of training with him. So much fun. And uh, we between Edward and Mark, we really, uh, I really buckled down and, and kind of set my sights on, on getting my certificates and ratings. And so I put aerobatics on hold. But obviously, it was always in the back of my mind um, and, and still loved it. And it, um, Edward uh, was really cool, man. I don't know if he did this for everybody, but uh, when I finished my instrument rating, he took me up in the pits S2C for the first time. And that was my first foray into kind of a, you know, a real aerobatic airplane, uh, at least that I can remember. But I, that, I, I can remember that moment. Um, as a, he, he was like, Hey, as a, thank you as a congratulations, I'm gonna take you up for a little bit in the pits. And I'm like, what? Okay. Um, that, that, I mean, it literally changed my life. I mean, it, I can remember the day I can remember the flight. Um, I have the pictures from it. What a, I, I, and I, oh my gosh, I fell in love that day with the pits. Um, what a fun just beast. I just, I couldn't, I just remember thinking what a beast it was, what an insane airplane it was. Um, and then it was just like, okay, now I have the problem of, I got to get paid enough so I can do this for fun, uh, on the side. And so, uh, finished up my ratings and then, um, 
I think it was when I got, I had my commercial and Edward might have left Attitude Aviation at that time. Uh, this is all at Attitude Aviation, by the way. Um, he might have left there. And so the there were they maybe were short on instructors that could fly the pits. And I, I eventually got checked out um, to fly the pits just as, as a, a, you know, solo or, you know, not as, as an instructor. I wasn't an instructor yet, but I just did a pits check out with Rich. And then he's like, hey, uh, you know, we get we get requests to do rides uh, now and again. Um, you have your commercial, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I'll just pay you the whatever the instructor rate is. You know, if, I know you're not an instructor, but uh, I'll pay you to do the commercial rides. You're a commercial pilot. Okay, cool. And so I did a bunch of uh, rides as a, a commercial pilot, which is like really, really cool first kind of paid flight gig. <laughs> uh, I just couldn't believe getting paid. I, I couldn't believe I was getting paid to do it. I'm like, this, this again, this feels wrong. Can't believe it. So uh, then um, got real serious about my instructor ratings. Uh, this is probably coming up on 2009, um, 2010. I was time building and it actually played into my hand really well uh, by, by flying. I was flying a bunch but I didn't have, I didn't have to build time to get to the airlines or anything like that. I, I at that time I had like 700 hours, 800 hours. Um, I wasn't really concerned about building time uh, as a means of getting a, a job. I just knew I wanted to get my CFI and teach in these airplanes that I was flying in. You know, teaching the pits and and the extra and the Waco and the Great Lakes and all these fun airplanes at Attitude and. Um, Went into, uh, let's see, where did I go? ATP in Las Vegas um, had a two-week program to get your CFI, CFII, and MEI knocked out. Obviously, you had to come extremely prepared, and that was just a kind of a polishing off um, school. But did that, and then came back, and Rich, you know, handed me a, a patch, you know, basically saying, "Welcome, welcome aboard." I'd I'd quit my job uh, to go out to the CFI school. They wouldn't give me the time off, and I'm like, "Well, all right." Uh, I'm going, so see ya. And they're like, okay, don't come back. <laughs> so I didn't. And I basically came back jobless in 2010. I finished uh, my, my CFI ratings in April of 2010. And then uh, Rich uh, was nice enough to uh, bring me on in a time when, you know, CFI, people were getting furloughed from the airlines and going to be CFIs again. So I'm um, going to take a sip of water here. Yeah, so it was kind of a bad time. Uh, to be an instructor and I, I escaped that or to be a professional pilot at all and I totally totally escaped that I mean I was just like oh cool I landed a job I didn't care so um, that's basically where I started teaching and I, I learned a lot of aerobatics from Edward Dorr, um learned a lot of aerobatics from Rich and um, Rich wasn't so much of a competition pilot I think he did compete uh, a time or two but he was an air show guy uh, flew air shows in a he's flew in air shows and all kinds of stuff but um he owned uh, Yak 55s. He's owned Yak 50. He's owned two different Yak 54s, which is crazy. I think only three of them ever entered the states, and he's owned two of the three uh, at some point. Uh, did air shows in the Yak 54. Um, he's whose Yak 54 I got, I got to fly. Um, the Marchetti SF260. Oh, that's right. We also had Marchetti SF260s there. Um, I was the first person to get checked out in the SF260 there. That was a lot of fun beautiful airplane that's that's an aerobatic airplane that deserves a podcast too maybe find somebody else that's, that's flown the sf-260 and talk about that but I, I just got to fly all kinds of cool stuff and um 
you know, under their tutelage and, and um, training for aerobatics and stuff like that and just started teaching aerobatics and table checkouts and normal private pilot stuff here and there. But that school really became a specialty school um, when Rich owned it. I mean, Rich really had this vision of having wanting really nice airplanes, unusual airplanes, um, and, and, you know, not stuff you could just find anywhere else. So we had some pretty cool stuff. You know, 152 Aerobat, which doesn't sound all that cool to a lot of people, but w- such a fun aerobatic airplane is a 152 Aerobat. I'd love to own one. I'd love to find a mint cherry 152 Aerobat. Beautiful flying airplane for, for you know, beginning aerobatics. and um, Yeah, and so uh, I taught there for a little over a year, and then um, I had the hours to go move on, and things were kind of starting to clean up in 2011 as far as some jobs like really crappy shit part 135 freight jobs <laughs> opened up and so i got a job at a flight flying chieftains which uh hauled canceled checks all over the place and and like some ups and dhl um work uh man uh that was yeah that was in 2010 my my i was the only guy not uh, i was the only non-furloughed airline pilot in class and it was brutal. Uh, Twenty-eight grand a year to start flying for those, th- to start flying those things, and um, you know, gain that professional experience. It was real tough. Um, so then uh, I took almost an entire break from GA. I, j- I just never had the time. That the the freight schedule was so intense, and uh, I was with my then uh, we had been married. My wife and I uh, we got married. Boy. Sometime at Ameriflight, I think it's been been so long, but um, you know, starting a family, things like that. Yes, I did get married at Ameriflight. I remember taking the honeymoon. Now, I'm sorry, the the time off and then coming back to work and not wanting to be back at work. <laughs> um, but yeah, life kind of got in the way, and so um, after I left instructing at Attitude, um, I was I, I took a basically a three year hiatus from flying almost any GA at all. I, I'd pop in. You know, a year, a year out of currency, and be like, "Yeah, I just want to, you know, just go up." And I'd, I'd go up with Rich or one of the instructors, and and just kind of get current. And that's kind of how it played for a long time. And I didn't do aerobatics for a long time uh, in between there. Um, it wasn't until let's see here. So I left Ameriflight and went and flew uh, Part One Thirty Five jets. I flew Lear jets. That was my first type rating. It was a Lear jet. LR jet type rating, flew the Lear 35 and the 55, and then uh, left that job and managed a Citation XL out of Hayward, or at least I got hired on as an FO, and then um, things kind of shuffled there. My buddy that hired on uh, hired me on there uh, went to United, and then um, so I kind of ran the scheduling on the airplane and management of the airplane as an FO, and then eventually I. Um, I got a call from NetJets. This is 2015. And <clears throat> 2015 was the year that, uh, so from 2008 to 2015, so my entire training and flying career, NetJets had, had furloughed pilots. They furloughed in, I think it was 2008 or 2009, but basically from the 2008 crash, furloughed, and then were recalling pilots and then hired in 2015. And I was fortunate enough to be in the first new hire class at NetJets. Um, since 2008 and uh, I wasn't at that XL XL job very long um, before I went to NetJets but um, around that time 
this is a, a weird sideline kind of segue or weird sideline uh, to to getting back into GA and aerobatics is um, I had a buddy. Um, I'd always admired the Collins Foundation when they would come into town in, in their B-17, B-24, B-25, and P-51. And always come in, they'd come into Livermore every year. And of course, you know, we're into flying cool and unusual stuff. And what's cooler and unusual than that, right? Having a traveling circus of amazing airplanes. And so we always loved it every year. Um, and it was just such a fun thing to have them come into town. They'd, they'd come into Livermore and Concord. And oh, I'd always go visit them. I'd always go do the ground tours and just kind of hang out. And, you know, it was just a, just a good time, you know. And I had a buddy say, hey, you know. I think I know somebody that flies for them. I'll introduce you. And um, she, uh, we were in the Navy together, and she introduced me to a guy named Frank Hale. Shout out to Frank, uh, who got me involved with the Collins Foundation. And um, I got to meet everybody. Got to meet um, the late, great Mac McCauley, rest in peace, uh, who flew the uh, B-17. And uh, I get a text. He's like, you know, hey, do you, do you want to come out to the ground school and, and, and be a pilot for Collins? I was like, huh, what? Of course thinking that it was a total joke. And then sure enough, uh, one January I get you know an email, it's like an itinerary of what's going on in hotel room and all this stuff. And so I flew out and uh, from then on, you know, I was a volunteer pilot for Collins Foundation, uh, which was an amazing honor to uh, get to do that. Um, where I got back into aerobatics and GA flying was I'd go out and fly these bombers, um, you know, as a co-pilot and you know, I'd, I'd be gone for a year. I'd come out. I'd, I'd fly for three, four days. And if it was a slow stop, you know, I wouldn't get much flying in. And it was I'd kind of fly kind of shitty and not be real happy with my, my flying. And, you know, jets is what I'm flying normally. Uh, or, you know, like that's the brunt of my flying was, was flying jets for net jets. So, like, you know, if I'm going to be if I'm going to come out here and not be a useless appendage flying the B17 and the B24, I really should get back into GA flying. And so that's what I did. I actually w- just went back to attitude and um, they had changed hands. Richard sold the business to a guy named Sam. And um, Sam had just recently taken it over. And I was like, "Hey, you know, if, uh, do you guys need, you know, any in- instructors? I'd love to be kind of a part-time instructor." And he's like, "Yeah, actually we do." And so uh, got back on with them and uh, he's he was real excited about kind of growing the business and, and talking about the aerobatic stuff and uh, he was like you know Mark what uh, you know what do we need at the school to be like really really unique and I was like well you got to buy an extra 300 he's like okay and then they, they uh, he still had the S2C the extra 200 was gone um, and then we had a super decathlon. So we had a super decathlon, Satabria, super decathlon, and Pitts were basically our aerobatic airplanes there. And I'm on a NetJets trip. I'm somewhere out for the week. And I get a call from Sam. He's like, hey, I bought an extra. Go get it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And uh, he bought a, he bought um, 918 of Juliet, uh, which was um, former Toyota Motorsports airshow team two-seat airplane, their backup airplane, and media airplane. He bought it. Uh, it was in uh, Pierre, South Dakota. Jim Pites was doing the uh, the brokering on that, and so my fr- my first extra three hundred flight was with Jim. And he's like, "I'm not a CFI, but hey, if you want me to go around the pattern with you a couple times, uh, I will." I'm like, "All right, sure." So I t- went, flew out to Pierre, South Dakota, did three bounces with him, and and uh, in the dead of winter, off I went, uh, ferrying that extra home from uh, Pierre, and brought it back and. 
uh, you know, we had a really nice staple uh, uh, or stable of airplanes at Attitude. Uh, and so I, boy, on all my off days, I, you know, the kids would go to school, wife would go to work. I was out at Attitude teaching. It was a, it was a tremendous, it was a blast. You know, got back into teaching, got back into GA again, just thinking like a GA pilot because you, you really do lose that stuff. And it's amazing what you lose. Uh, when you go fly bigger stuff or faster stuff or, or you don't have to think about the traffic pattern, you know, <laughs> entering an uncontrolled airport and stuff like that. So um, that was a huge help in flying the Warbird stuff, I think, um, especially like the tailwheel stuff. You know, you can't you can't be sloppy flying a B-17 or trying to land or take off a B-17. And I was. It was tremendous. It was like embarrassing. It's like, come on, you know, that... Um, I always kind of considered that my roots. I, I loved tailwheel flying, and um, even though I didn't get my license in a Satabri, I still kind of felt like that's where my base was. I had a lot of tailwheel time, uh, but just wasn't current. And so getting current again, uh, flying tailwheel and aerobatics was um, it was great for for flying the Warbird stuff. But then it just like really re-inspired my love for aerobatics that like I had to kind of put on hold for a while. And it's just one of those. It was like an insidious. Um, it was an insidious uh, effect on my aerobatic flying. Like, it just kind of went away, and life got so hectic. And you know, two kids came along. You know, house, white picket fence, mortgages, bills, all that crap kind of start sinking in. And then you, you know, you start adulting so hard that you, you forget about you know what it's like to be a kid. You know, yanking and banking. So um, to go back in and, and start doing that again was so much fun. Um, and it was, you know, we did a lot of flying. And so I did a lot of, you know, spin training, CFI spin endorsements, upset recovery, aerobatics. It was all recreational, um, you know, whether it was, you know, intermediate, uh, some advanced maneuver stuff, but um, nothing real competition wise or anything like that. But that's really, um, and ever since then, uh, try to really fly um, regularly, fly aerobatics regularly. And I have ever since, thank goodness, knock on wood. Uh, once I get my airplane back, I'll be flying even more. But yeah, uh, that's that's kind of my background. Um, I um, it left NetJets in 2017 for Alaska Airlines, and, and I've been with Alaska Airlines ever since, and love the company. Well, I, I'll go back. I, I, w- I went to Virgin, uh, which was such, boy, I almost forgot that I went to Virgin, uh, Virgin America. <laughs> um, which was such, that boy, what a memorable airline for as much as I just forgot how, you know, it's how crazy how life gets. But I went to Virgin America in 2017, which was a lot of fun. Um, I, Alaska had already announced their intent to purchase Virgin. So I, I kind of knew that Virgin was going to go away. Um, but I got to spend about a year under Virgin, which was one of the most memorable times I'll have in my aviation career. It was so unique and so much fun. And all the stories you hear about how, uh, you know, people just love to be like, oh, it was unlike any other airline. And I thought that was so cliche. Even when, like when I was an outsider looking in, I'm like, whatever. Everybody says that, you know. Uh, but it really, it really was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but now we're Alaska. Good company, you know. Um, I could complain. I'm a pilot, but, you know, what good would it do, right? But no, I'm, uh, you know, been an airline pilot uh, flying the Airbus since 2017. And, Flying aerobatics regularly, as far as you know, in between my days off, I'm, I've never, uh, I don't have any intention of doing air shows or 
um, competing real hard. I, I really like the, the the kind of the niche I'm in right now, which is I love aerobatics. I, I, I eat, sleep, and breathe aerobatics. I, I think about it all the time. I watch YouTube videos. Um, I think about it. I think about how I fly. I watch how I fly. I, you know, this this is gonna sound weird to, to people that get critiqued, but you know, I, I I film my my flying videos. I critique my own flying. I'm like, where, you know, and this this is more from a, a me teaching standpoint. Of how could I how could I have taught that maneuver better? How could I have um, explained that maneuver better? Um, was I having a, an off day, which we all do, um, and so I, I really do try to better myself, better my flying, um, and, and better the students that I'm teaching. And I, I've always loved teaching. I love that interaction. I love watching somebody learn, especially when they enjoy it. Um, I do get the occasional people that just are terrified of spins and they're screaming and it's a miserable, uh, tooth pulling process just to, you know, have somebody learn spins. But most of the time it's a lot of fun. People are really into it, really energetic and they want to be there. And it's just such a fun, Thing to be a part of and I um, I don't know that I'd want to do it as much if I wasn't teaching it um, that's and that's the honest truth I I, re- I don't really like flying solo all that much I like having the front seater I love teaching I love talking and in showing people aerobatics for the first time um, or you know if somebody just wants to learn you know maneuvers like I said recreational I, I I can teach a resty, but I, you know that's that's more suited for somebody that that flies competition regularly and like I know the resty maneuvers and and can fly them. Um, probably not to what somebody on the ground cr- looking up critiquing me would want, but um, at least as far as the safety and um, the ins and outs of a maneuver from a resty standpoint and, and a resty standpoint, um, I can I can do that uh, up until you know. I mean, some advanced maneuvers maybe, but, you know, intermediate is probably where my arresty um, expertise lies. But, you know, things that, you know, typical recreational aerobatics is, is kind of what I teach. Uh, a lot of owner, um, you know, guys that own an RV or a Satabria or a Super Decathlon or... Maybe they're thinking about buying a pits or an extra, and they they don't have any aspirations to compete. They just want to learn what the airplane's capable of and things like that. And um, a lot of spin training, a lot of upset recovery training, um, and I really like that aspect of it. Um, Alaska Airlines was one of the first to develop a UPRT program for their simulators for the 7.3 and for the Airbus, and it was nice to be called and asked about it. Um, by, by the experts that were putting the programs together. Um, that was a lot of fun. And uh, before COVID happened, um, I was going to try to maybe um, become a sim instructor and, and start doing some of that stuff. Just because that's, that's kind of where I, right now in life, that's kind of where I want to be. That's what I like. I really like the teaching aspect of it. I love getting weird. I love getting upside down um, and getting unusual uh, in the extra. But I, I love teaching. I really don't see myself you know, anytime soon. Um, just being that guy that wants to go up solo and, and just kind of hammer out um, sequences. Um, I do plan on competing in 2021, so I will do it, but I re- my heart really um, lies in um, getting somebody to come in and, and, and show them the fun side of, of aerobatic flying and, and the enjoyment of aerobatic flying or the enjoyment of, of spin training or, you know... Um, like I'll get a lot of recurrent 
two, three time um, spin students that just they just really, really want to learn aerodynamics and aircraft recovery and, and spin dynamics and um, and really take you know spins uh, to the next level and, and, and learn what can happen in an airplane. And seeing that kind of higher learning awareness from people is uh, that's really inspiring um, from an industry standpoint. Uh, just because every pilot should want to learn that stuff. So yeah, that's 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 kind of where I'm at now. I just I'm I'm just a huge fan of aerobatics, a huge fan of anything aerobatics. Um, similar to Rob Holland, you know, like really take a, a page out of Rob Holland's book on this is you know whether you're just the guy that has the RV with no inverted system and, and wants to do lazy loops and rolls and, and you're safe, who gives a crap? Have fun, man. You know, uh, enjoy it. Because that's what it is. It's enjoyment. It should be fun. And who cares? No judgment. Uh, so yeah, I think between that and the, uh, you know, the top air show guys and everything in between, you know, it's aerobatics. It's cool. So um, I think everybody on the on the Facebook groups can tell that you know I love talking about aerobatics. I just love kind of being in the air, in aerobatics. Like the, you know, if we could all just sit in a hangar and just shoot the shit, uh, that would be a blast, right? And so that's that's kind of me in a nutshell as far as my career through aerobatics. I, I've had the pleasure of, of getting aerobatic instruction and and coaching from lots of people. Um, you know, Rich, uh, he, he's not perfect. He's got he, but he's he. You know, I learned a lot from Rich Perkins, uh, flying at attitude, flying in the pits, and and finding other things. And you know, he has a really unique approach to a lot of things. He's a very smart guy. Uh, so definitely, you know, learned a lot flying from him. And and had the pleasure of flying with Wayne Hanley. Uh, obviously, a legend. I'm gonna try to get him on the podcast too. He's a great, great guy. He's become a friend. Um, he's somebody that. Um, after he sold his extra has, has sent me people uh, to fly my extra which I, I really appreciate um, so that's I mean what an honor I mean he's somebody that I watched as a kid you know ripping it up in the in the Turbo Raven and, and you know now he's calling me asking me if I want to you know <laughs> give a guy spin training or something so that's that's pretty cool so that's that's basically me um, that's 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 me today um, what the future holds for for me and my pedigree, my my skill set, I don't know. Um, I do plan on on trying to get out to compete in twenty twenty one. We'll see what happens. Uh, the world has a funny way of uh, changing your plans, right? We all kind of see that from twenty twenty. Um, and I got to get my airplane back. Um, that's that's coming up real soon. Uh, the airplane, I, I think I mentioned it last podcast, but my my plane was test flown um, a week ago tomorrow. So uh, Saturday, uh, last Saturday, uh, Kramer at Southeast Aero got to take it up and uh, put it through his paces, did a short flight, and just made sure everything was just kind of on the up and up, and a couple little things to work on. But um, they've got they got the airplane, you know, really really close. In fact, they were going to try to test flight again today. Um, if not today, maybe tomorrow or uh, Monday. Um, do one more flight on it, and then I think I'm going to go get it. So that's going to be a real interesting journey. Um, it's it, we'll see how that <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I was really hoping to get it back like a month ago because the weather was really good, right? Um, but there's been a couple hurricanes that have passed through, um, so I've avoided that. 
Um, right now, the window looks pretty darn good the next week or two, um, at least hurricane or tropical storm-wise, to where um, I'll be able to kind of go through and 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 uh, make it across. The airplane's in St. Augustine, Florida at Southeast Aero. Shout out to the guys at, Sh- at Southeast Aero, by the way. Uh, they've just done an amazing job to that airplane. Um, I'll, I think I've talked about what that airplane has gone through, but um, it's it's been a you know a bit of a process. The airplane's been down since April. Um, um, I was going to save this for. Um, I want to do a podcast on on aircraft co ownership and partnership because I think a lot of people ask about that, and that's something, especially in the aerobatic world, that I think is really really cool. Um, but I'll save that for another podcast, just in the interest of time. Um, but a partner had a little accident in our airplane, and um, you know, caused enough damage to where the airplane needed to be disassembled and, and shipped to Florida uh, to be repaired. So, to get it back after six months of you know turmoil, essentially, I mean, it's been a real rough six months. Um, not you know, I'm not I'm on a leave from from Alaska, paid leave just due to COVID. Um, I was able, you know, fortunate enough um, that that the paid leave is is enough pay for uh, for me to kind of bow out and prevent furloughs from other guys that that aren't able to take a leave and then um, be home with my my kids who are distance learning. So it's been a real blessing in disguise in that regard but it would have been really really nice to have my extra uh so i could fly it um so it's been real like my flying went from like oh when am i gonna get a day off to like holy shit it's been two months since i've flown an airplane um and i think i talked about it um when i flew the extra 200 last it had been like almost um nine weeks since i'd flown it prior and eight weeks since i'd flown anything prior so that's really unusual for me to go two months without flying something. I, I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you the last time that happened. I really couldn't. Um, I, I fly quite a bit, and at least I try to fly quite a bit. Try to stay current and things. So uh, that, that's it, that's been really hard. But to have the airplane test flown and to have the airplane come back and land on in one piece after what it's gone through uh, is great. It's a huge success. There's a, just a minor, just some minor squawks. They're just taking a look at and putting the airplane um, buttoning the rest of it up so they can test flight again. And um, hopefully that goes well, and we can wrap this thing up. And so I can start the journey back from St. Augustine to California with no autopilot. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, but I may do, I may do a podcast on that too, uh, talking about the route that I'm going to choose and uh, the weather is looking, you know, it's, it's starting to get to be that time of year where the, at least the Southern part of the United States is not going through real severe weather. We're kind of ending um, tornado season and hurricane season. Uh, we're not quite getting into a lot of severe winter weather yet. Although I think I saw snow in Albuquerque uh, last week or earlier this week. So that might be a problem because, uh, Santa Fe is on one of my stops, I think. Uh, my plan stops, so we'll see about that. But, you know, we'll see how the weather holds up. But th- this is not a bad time of year, but we're kind of losing that window of good time. At least it's not going to be 110 um, as I fly this thing without air conditioning across the country. But, you know, I'm a lazy airline pilot. I don't know where I'm going to put my latte. It's going to be kind of a bummer. But it'll be an adventure. It'll be the second time I've ferried an airplane coast to coast. Um, the first time without an autopilot though. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. 
so yeah, um, I'll I'll save um, more of the detail on on the ins and outs of the airplane maybe for that, and then um, you know next week if I don't have a guest on, I'll talk about aircraft partnership and um, why I think it's a good thing. Even even with my situation, um, I I wouldn't change the dynamic of what we have as far as a, a partnership goes. Um, I think it's a really good thing, especially in the aerobatic world uh, with the bears entry being money. You know, um, what way to what better way to reduce the cost than to uh, enter a partnership. So anyway, I hope that answered, um, uh, you know, some questions on my, my start in aerobatics and how I got bit by the, the aerobatic bug and, and kind of where it brought me today. Um, you know, aerobatics is what you make of it. It really is. That's, I know it's such a cliche thing, thing to say, but it really is what you make of it. It's whatever you want it to be. You know, if you just want to be able to go do loops and rolls in a, in a 7 ECA Satabria and that makes you happy, do it, okay? Um, if you want to go compete, you know, um, you know, Brittany Lincoln is a great example of that. She's our Chapter 38 president. I'm going to get her on the podcast too. Um, she's a freaking dynamo, you know. Um, I, I don't even know when she took her first aerobatic flight, but she started getting serious about aerobatics like, like two years ago, you know, and she's going to be coming up. I think she's going to be starting to do advanced in 2021, which is impressive. I mean, you're talking about going from zero to hero. I hate that term too. Scratch that. Cut that. <laughs> you talk about somebody going from, you know, no aerobatics to essentially um, vying for a spot on the advanced team potentially in, in like a few years, which is insane. And so if you have the time to dedicate, if you're an animal and, and you're just an obsessed beast of a human that, that, that wants to be the best and wants to compete and wants to be the top, top dog, you can do it. Um, if you want to be the person that just wants to own a beautiful super decathlon and fly sportsman the rest of your life, do it. You know, if you want to buy a P-51 and learn aerobatics so you can fly, uh, you know, lazy aerobatics in your Mustang now and again, do it. It's all awesome. You know, and that's, that's something that, um, you know, I've ebbed and flowed on it. You know, it's, it's so easy to get an ego on something or, or to kind of poo poo something, but you know, aerobatics is aerobatics. It's, it's all awesome. It's all fun. Uh, whether you're doing it in a biplane, monoplane, you know, warbird, experimental, whatever, something that can, you know, barely roll. I mean, the, if, if it can do it, if it's approved and you learn how to do it, do it. It's aerobatics. It's beautiful. So I don't know where 2021 takes me. I'm not, I'm not, I have no lofty goals in terms of where I, I I'm really happy where I'm at minus the fact that I don't have an airplane right now. Um, once I get my airplane home, I'm, I'm really happy with my level of toe dipping in aerobatics um, we'll see what happens when I compete. We'll see what happens. We'll just we'll just have to see what happens. I don't know. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up. Episode seven. Happy Friday, guys. Um, happy October. We're wrapping up October. I can't believe it. We're almost in November. It's insane. Another month. Just kind of, these months just kind of fly by. I don't know how you guys feel, but for as slow as things have gotten, some things are just racing you know they're just racing by this year is just everybody thinks they you know <laughs> you know 2021 can't come fast enough because you know maybe they think COVID will be over with uh, which I disagree with but um, you know I, I'm not sitting here thinking that 2021 is going slow 
We're in November already. Sunday's November 1st. It's crazy. We're almost to 2021. So keep your heads up. Keep flying. Keep shooting me emails and messages and requests. Um, I've had two messages about helmets. And Petra and I talked about helmets last time a little bit. So maybe we'll do it. I love helmets. I'm a freaking love helmets. So maybe we'll dedicate an episode to talking a little bit about helmets. And maybe we'll get somebody on that um, that has some knowledge on helmets, like building helmets. Um, yeah. I'm gonna try to go. I'm gonna try to figure that out. So lots to talk about, lots of topics coming up. But keep keep reaching out and let me know what you want me to talk about, and I'll talk about it. And if I can't talk about it, I'll find somebody who can, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, keep this podcast going. www.flycoolshit.com is the website. Flycoolshit's the Instagram. Uh, MP Aviation Dotcom is my uh, my business Instagram. MP-Aviation.com is my business page. Uh, message me personally. Uh, you can throw a question out on the Aerobatic Palace Facebook group. Email me, whatever you need. Um, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I respond and, and make sure I, uh, I address your uh, questions or comments or concerns. Appreciate you guys for listening. Really appreciate the feedback. Episode 7, in the bag. Till next, guys. Till, till next time, guys. See ya.